So we're talking about effective ministry now. As I said to you earlier, I'm using the materials. Remember, so if you think you are getting blessed, imagine how more blessed you will be if you come in, if you are not in yet. What is ministry? The model of ministry we have today is flawed somehow because of the present day Pentecostal charismatic church we're exposed to. It's like uh, a CEO, a superstar, a music star. That's uh, how a pastor is seen or a minister. Matthew 11, 7 to 9. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. So it's not our appearance or flamboyance or whatever that should define us. Jesus was saying, if it's a Hollywood star you are looking for, you should know where to look for the person. We know how successful politicians, successful in court, how they appear, how music stars appear. It's unfortunate that seems to be how successful ministers in court will appear today. So younger people coming up, they want to see that as a model of how it's supposed to be, rather than what we see of Christ in the Bible, who should be our example. The word minister is from the Greek word diakonos, which I'm sure many of you will be familiar with, and it means a servant. So when we're talking about effective ministry, we're talking about a servant. A minister is supposed to be a servant. Somebody who carries out domestic duties. Matthew 20 from verse 25. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. It shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. And then he, he talked about himself. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This should be our model. This should be our ideal. This should be what we should all be after. If it's New Testament Christianity... John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come, Jesus speaking, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Is that the idea we see? Is that the model we have today? The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Sacrifice. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd... One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. So it's about service. It's about sacrifice. It's about giving yourself, giving myself for God's flock. Second Samuel 5.12 God blessed David so much and David came to a realization. Second Samuel 5.12 So David knew that the Lord had established him as king 
over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. So it was because of Israel, when the Queen of Sheba met Solomon, part of what struck her was that God must so love his people that he gave them this kind of king. David came to an understanding that God's people were so important was why God exalted his kingdom, not the other way around. So we exist because of God's people. If there were no God's people, there would be no need for God's servants. So we shouldn't be CEOs. We shouldn't be like big men. We shouldn't be like the people who exist to serve us. We are to serve them. It's because of them that we were needed, not the other way around. But people want to be in ministry today to build a personal empire, for people to see them as a rock star. So the idea of success in ministry is someone who is big, high up there, and every other person is to serve, even those who are laboring with him. You know, and all of that. Okay. You see, it's amazing that even in the world setting, people who work for the Bill Gates and all those of this world, they are millionaires. There are people who work for them, you know. But uh, in, in the church, we see somebody high up there and people are far from him. He gets rid of those who they start together so that nobody can talk to him anymore. So there will be a wide gap. So until you are ready to serve, you might not be ready to be used by God. To be ready to serve. A bond servant. So be ready to be a good servant. Leave the being great to God. Let it be God that will make you great. You just come to serve. In Joshua 3, 4, hear what God said. 3, 7, I beg your pardon. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you. King James says, magnify you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So Joshua was going to serve. It's God that said, this day I will begin to exalt you. So that is God's onus. It's God that decides to lift you. It's not that you want to lift yourself. I was pastor today not long ago. I was in Abuja to preach for him. That's part of what I said about him. I said the same thing about Pastor Tokes because they are alike. When he was younger, when we were all younger, Pastor Sunday was always here to carry drinks. To carry, you know, somebody was in just recently where he ministered somewhere. This person was a boy in the church I pastored then. And he said, is it that Pastor Sunday? You know, he said he's stylish. I knew he was talking about, look, look at his shoes. <laughs> Don't, don't mind me. I, I, I always tell him that you can't find his shoes anywhere. He's the only one who owns his shoes. You can't, you know, you know the shoes I will wear now, you can, another person can, you can find it somewhere else. The shoes pastor today wears, you won't find it on anybody else. It's, it's as though they just make them for him. So he said, it's stylish. I is the one that is called person. So he said, when we had so-and-so program in so-and-so place, the person who was carrying rings and serving me, I said, yeah, yeah, he's the one. That's the kind of person he was. And that's the kind of person pastor talks was to and see what god is doing in their lives today there are some people like i said yesterday it's only grave diggers who start from the top they want to start from the top they don't want to serve so effective ministry is about service we've quoted hebrews 5 for today earlier and no man takes this honor unto himself but he who is called by god just as aaron was so don't be after honor See it as a calling, a life's purpose, not just a job. 
don't just pick a job. Somebody who, who is looking for a job in church, just looking for a job in ministry. No, no, you see it as a life's purpose. I pointed out yesterday that I've had the same secretary for 20-something years. See, there are people who are looking for work. I have a friend in, in U.S. He pastors a big church, you know, by any standard, anywhere in the world. And then one day he said, years ago, there was something in the papers about an offer for a job. And his son got home. Of course, he too was very young then. And he asked his dad whether he won't apply for the job. Whether he won't. So his dad said to him, you think I don't have a job? I didn't ask for a job. He said, you mean they pay you for just talking? <laughs> that's what his, word, his son said to him. Now, so you just come to stand in church and talk. And that's what they are paying you. You have a job. Because there are many people who, who work in church who are looking for work. In their mind, they are looking for work. You know, they are not, uh, they, what they are doing, I mean, I know people who work in the church I pastor today who I know are looking for work. In their mind. So, you see, part of what we should put in place, I believe, as Christians, is credible organizations that can stand the test of time anywhere. Organizations that will be sound and solid. The kinds of things they will put in place in a bank that will make somebody want to stay there. We should put certain things in place. You know, things to do with staff welfare, thing, things to do with uh, car loan, all those kinds of things that can be attractive anywhere. It should be in place because somebody should not be working in church and think he's looking for work. So we have chartered accountants as, on staff and things like that. These are things that set me thinking way back because I will meet somebody who will have served in a church for 10 years. The person will be in business before. And then the pastor will ask him to come and, we, and then it will be something will go wrong and the person will be living with nothing. And the person will be going and the person will not come and see me. I was not this pastor. I didn't know anything about it. And the person will, will ask what, 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 what will he do now? You know, because he has bills to pay. And then because something went wrong. And so uh, that things should be put in place for people's future. There should be things in place. Because sometimes people ask me, how come the same people have been with you for 20 something years and all of that? These are parts of the reason. Because some things are put in place, and when it's obvious to people that you are not just after yourself, that is after things that will last, you, that is concerned for everybody and what people's future will be. This is an aside. You know, it's not part of my note. I'm, I'm talking because uh, you're a ministry. Think that way. Think that way. So if government can think there should be, there should be what, all these tambic uh, pension things, all those kinds of things, yeah? They shouldn't church think like that? Shouldn't we think of when people are not able to work anymore? Some things, you so all that uh, 7.5% salary goes somewhere, and then your employer will match it. Yeah, so put things like that in place in church. Let sort things happen so that if people need to leave, it shouldn't be because I didn't greet somebody's wife because of that. They say I should go, and then uh, that's the end of it. After 10, 15 years, they're just going like that and nothing. The world even knows that that shouldn't be. How much more the church? Anyway, let's go on. So, Servant. Servant. Say, I'm a servant. servant. Please again, I'm a servant. Now, you may have heard this. How do you differentiate between being efficient and being effective? You know, they are not the same. So it is said that being efficient is doing something right. But being effective is doing the right thing. You know, you can know how to do that, but if that's not what you're supposed to be doing, then you are not effective. So, doing something right is being efficient, but doing the right thing is being effective. So, we can think of words like excellence, 
but the idea is producing the desired or intended result. That's what effectiveness really means, producing the right or intended or desired result. Jesus came into the world for a purpose. God's calling is unto a purpose. There is a desire in God's mind. There's a desire in God's mind. There's something specific in God's mind about every call, about every ministry. And it is when that desire is achieved, when that result takes place, that is when there's effectiveness. Effective ministry is serving people, using all the resources God has made available, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, material, social, in a way that God intended to produce change in people's lives towards Christ-likeness. May I say the destiny of every Christian is child-likeness. That's the destiny of every Christian, child-likeness. Whether you are an introvert or an extrovert, whether you are poor or rich, whether you are educated or not educated, the destiny of every Christian is child-likeness. Romans 8.29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's the destiny of every Christian, childlikeness. So can I simplify it and say, really, it's about more and better Christians. Let me simplify it. More and better Christians. So our job, our work, our effectiveness, whatever thing we say today or we say later is just about more and better Christians. That's the summary of the Great Commission, more and better. So more Christians, those who are not Christians, let them become Christians. And then those who are really Christians, let them become better Christians. They become childlike. So it's simply about more and better Christians. It's good to know the purpose of something. Like Miles Monroe said, it, uh, abuse is inevitable if you don't know the purpose of something. You see, the purpose always exists before the thing. For instance, it, the person who made chair now is because there was a purpose for people to sit on something that the person designed chair. It's not the other way around. There's always a purpose in mind before something is designed. So God had a purpose in mind before calling you. There's something he had in mind before. So until that thing is exactly done that way. So the purpose is more and better Christians. Jesus gave the great commission and he said, go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature, you that believe and all of that. And he said, make disciples of all nations. So more and then those who are in better Christians. So everything we are doing any other thing we talk about, any story we can tell, whatever we say, if it is not towards more and better Christians, we are not doing what we are supposed to do. So whether it's billboard we print, or whether it's handbill we print, or whether it's something on television, or something, it must be towards more and better Christians. If it's not towards that, we are wasting time. We are wasting resources. Acts 16 from verse 29. Then he called for a light, ran in, this is the Philippian jailer, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, and your household. It was to lead towards something specific. What must I do to be saved? So when ministry is effective, it produces a response. What must I do? They say, What must I do to be something? Until that happens. So we can preach, we can teach. If people just enjoy it, they just are happy, they just, and it doesn't lead somewhere. Now, Pastor Tunde shared very briefly now. Why were we blessed? Because it led to something specific. There's something specific we could take away. 
So when we were, AJ, what he was saying, he was letting us know that he's going somewhere. Now, he didn't plan to talk. He wasn't going to talk. But it was, you, you know, Solomon had a dream. God appeared to him at night and said, ask what you want. But because that was what was on his spirit, that's what came out. Because, you know, he didn't have a control over his dream. You know, when you are dreaming, he was not in control. He just found himself in a dream. So how come it wasn't something else? How come it was that one? So it means that was what was on his spirit. That's what came out. And that's what happened now. And it went towards a point which all of us can take something away from and learn from. So ministry is always to achieve the purpose. It's to produce change to become Christ-like. Hallelujah. So, serving people with God's resources. We're going to be repeating things a lot in the airline because so that it can stay. You know, that's how things stay. Repetition. That's why the Bible says, by the matter of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Because repetition reinforces. That's how children are taught, isn't it? That's how children are taught. That they repeat things to them. Everybody point this way. The teacher is pointing at the door. Everybody say that. The teacher is pointing at the door. Everybody say it again. The teacher is pointing at the door. This row, the teacher is pointing at the door. This row, the teacher is pointing at the door. Everybody, the teacher is pointing at the door. Toy, what am I doing? The teacher is pointing at the door. Jonah, what am I doing? The teacher is pointing at the door. And then the child will point at the window. I say, what am I doing? They will say, the child is pointing at the door. You say, no. The teacher is pointing at the window. Everybody say, the teacher is pointing at the door. Yeah. On and on, the things repeated that way. And then when they come back tomorrow again, the child will start again. The child is pointing at the door. Yeah. And then, it says, that's how all of us learned. That's how all of us started. So, things have to be repeated a lot. So, you see that God repeats himself a lot. Haven't you seen that in the Bible? I remember I went somewhere where somebody was talking about his pastor, and he said, in all these years, that he has known him, that he has been about this church, that the pastor has never repeated himself. I thought, really? I thought Jesus repeated himself a lot. <laughs> yeah, God repeats himself. How many times will you see, I am the Lord? Thou shalt so, so, and so, and so, I am the Lord. Yeah, the, the whole, almost the whole of Ezra, you see it in the Imaya again. You see, yeah, there's a lot of repetition in the Bible. God's ways to repeat it. So if you thought that was positive, no, I, I don't think it's positive. We, we, to, we have to repeat ourselves. We have to say it over and over because that's what will make people to get it. That's what will make it to stay. Nobody just hears something the first time and, and that's it. That's why we need to go back and listen to things again and, and so on and so forth. Anyway, we're talking about effective ministry. Don't forget. So that's part of it. Repetition. And we're going to be seeing these things over and over as it is uh, in the note. So Christ-likeness is the, the goal of ministry. Can everybody please say that? Christ likeness is the goal of ministry. Please say it again. Christ likeness is the goal of ministry. So the Bible says Jesus is the firstborn. I can tell you this, and anybody who's a parent can tell you this. When a firstborn does well, it's not too difficult for those coming behind to do well. Because when a firstborn is irresponsible and useless, there's no proper standard for those coming behind. But when you have a firstborn who does well, it's the easiest thing for the others to follow. I'm grateful to God for a responsible firstborn who did well. So the others just followed very easily. So Jesus said to be the greatest, we have to be willing to serve. Now, hear this. Jesus wasn't saying that as a strategy to greatness, but as a way to genuinely bless lives. You know what I'm saying? 
Because if we're saying, if you want to be great, to be the greatest and serve. So if your aim in service is to be the greatest, do you understand what I'm saying? You are seeing it as a means to an end. The purpose is to serve. That's how greatness is reckoned in the kingdom. So if we were to look at God's dictionary, if God were to have a dictionary, greatness in the dictionary of God means service. That's the idea. So not that I'm only serving you, I'm not only serving you, I'm just serving because it's greatness I'm after. No, it should be because we love God, because we want to obey him, because we want to serve his people, we want to be a blessing to them. That's why we serve. But that is the way we become great in the kingdom. But it's not because we're after greatness that we serve. Praise the Lord. Ministry is who you are every day. It's a lifestyle. It's not something you bring out on Sundays or when you want to do something. And other times you pocket it. It should be a way of life. Think of Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Mark's gospel, the first chapter is recorded that he cast out a demon in the synagogue. Where somebody can say that's simple. That was in the synagogue. But he was out on the street and a leper came to him and he said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Right on the street, he said, I'm willing, be clean. He was in the house of Peter. And Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Even in the house there, he touched her, the fever left. He was at the well. That was like a chance thing. The others had gone and he was discussing with that woman. And not only did that woman's life change, the woman went to bring the men. And everywhere he was, every situation, we're saying ministry should be life. It's not something you bring out on Sunday and every rest of the week is not so. That should be our life. When he was on the cross, he was still saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. I remember I spoke along these lines years ago. I titled the message Evergreen. Because, you know, ever, evergreen trees are green all year long. You know, there are some trees that we shed their leaves. We come again. That is how we're supposed to be all the time. So if we're servants of God all the time, wherever. So it should not be that, no, 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 I'm busy today. You know, no, 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 no. I mean, look at Jesus. They just told him John the Baptist died. You know, that would have affected him. Don't, don't forget that Jesus was man on earth. This was his forerunner. And then they beheaded him. It had to do with another level of his own ministry now. But this was somebody he knew. And he wanted to be alone. That's what the Bible says. He went up to pray. He wanted to be alone. And then there was a multitude. If I were in his shoes, I would say, not today. And I said, not today. No, no, no. You know, they just killed my cousin for goodness sake. Give me something. That's what I would have done. That's what I would have felt. But Jesus Christ ministered to them. Multiplied loose and all of that. But guess what? He still went back to do what he wanted to do. He, wasn't, he didn't let it distract him. He still went to be alone with God. Many years ago, when I was uh, coming to full-time ministry, because I was somewhere before, and it was time now for me to begin a work, I needed to seek God because, you see, when you are under authority, it doesn't necessarily mean that you do everything that same way that was done before. So I needed to know what I was to do, how God wanted me to do things. And I looked at the Gospels, looking at the secret of Jesus of Nazareth, the man Christ Jesus. Because I saw that he had no follow-up system. He had no home cell. The things we do for discipleship today, he didn't have those things. And yet, thousands of people stayed and didn't go home. So what was his secret? So that was all 
I looked for in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This was many years ago. And I came out with the conclusion, at least then, that the only secret was himself. That was what I came up with, himself. Just who he was by God. That's what drew the people. That's what kept the people with him. So I said to myself, if I will invest in my time with God to become the kind of person I'm supposed to be, it will draw and it will keep. I don't know whether I've been able to achieve it or not. But what I'm saying is, I saw that, so those things that are in place are good. The systems we put in place, yesterday I talked about systems and they're in place. But you yourself, as a person, work on yourself as a person. Because you can reproduce yourself, isn't it? And that's the idea. Be ye followers of me, as I am a follower of Christ. So many things who you are every day. So effective ministry is service. It is word-based. We have been told tonight that the word works. The word works. The word works. It has worked in my life. It has worked in Pastor Tunde's life. It has worked in Pastor Toxie's life. It has worked in the life of every other person here listening who has worked it. The word works. If you have seen God's word work in your life, can I see your hand? Of course. All of us. All of us. The word works. Ah, uh, the word works. Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, you, you can't convince me otherwise. It's too late. It's too late. So attitude is important. We have seen that area today. You know, the way the plane flies, that, that, you've heard these sayings. I think it was Zig Ziglar that popularized it. Uh, the, your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude, yeah, it's supposed to be an aviation saying, actually. So they talk about the attitude of an aircraft. You know, those in aviation talk about that. So that, your attitude determines your altitude. is actually an aviation saying. So you want to soar high for God. Note that. So attitude is important. Your attitude to it. Because there are ways some people look as though they are apologetic about it. I remember I was meeting somewhere, and uh, after the thing, we were in the pastor's office, and the person asked me what I was doing before, you know, for a living, what I was doing before I became a minister. So I, I misunderstood him. I thought, I said to him, oh, I used to be so, so, and so. I said, but I'm enjoying what I'm doing. No, he said it was obvious. That's why I'm asking because I thought he felt maybe I was missing something. Because I always Christians talk sometimes and do as though they knew how they used to sort themselves out before. As though being a Christian is, uh, is less, an apology. It's, uh, 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 what, what do you say? What word? I'm looking for it. A burden as though it's something negative, as though you have decreased. No. This is life. This is life. So I said, no, 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 no. I, what I'm doing now is what, yeah, I'm happy with what I'm doing with my life now. I have no regret stopping what I was doing before. Since this is what God wants to do with my life, that's the issue. Because if it's not what God wants to do with my life, I probably wouldn't be enjoying it. Oh, I'm enjoying life, believe me. I'm enjoying life thoroughly. Thoroughly, I'm enjoying life. I'm enjoying serving God. So your attitude times your attitude. Because that's what made me talk about that. My attitude to it. Because when you are communicating something and it's eating you up and you believe it, it shows. Uh, why is it two times? I thought <laughs> I thought we should do it once and then we wait out some time. Or, or then we should stop now straight. Uh, okay, because I thought there was supposed to be a warning and then later. So when he did two, 
Anyway, his attitude is determining our altitude. <laughs> so we'll take a few minutes break. I'll be back. Thank you.